I'm Jen Schrader, and this is Behind the Springs, conversations with the people working for you in Colorado Springs, Olympic City, USA. Hello, everyone, and welcome to kind of a different podcast format we have today. Um, We're talking about um, mostly about the Colorado Springs Police Department Training Academy. We're actually here at the Academy doing the podcast today, and I'm going to have back-to-back guests for today's podcast. Number one is Colorado uh, Colorado Springs Police Chief Adrian Vasquez, and he's here with me today. Thanks for being here, Chief. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And then our second guest will be uh, Mayor Yemi, and he's going to talk a little bit about the Tabor retention and how we – his plan is to ask voters, ask you to vote on whether or not you think – um, it's appropriate to put $4.75 million of excess revenue toward this police academy and building a new academy. Uh, the first portion of this podcast uh, with Chief is going to be talking a little bit about our current academy. What, um, does the, what purpose does the academy serve, even though it may seem um, obvious for people? They may not be aware of all the training that our officers go through and why Perhaps this is a good time to really look at how can we expand what we do here and make it even better, and what does that mean for the community? So, um, Chief, let's start just by talking about, first of all, what room we're in right now. We're in uh, just a conference area, right? And um, what what happens in this building um, in general? Like police officers sure. are coming here for classwork and for, for all types of different training, Correct. Right. So there's a lot of different types of training that that we talk about when we talk about a facility like this. Right now, this particular building is primarily used for our recruit uh, classes. Okay. So um, up until our continuous hiring process, which started with the academy that's in right now, we would bring a recruit class in, um, and the main classroom downstairs is where we would house them, and they would get most of their academics right there in that classroom. Um, and then they would also get their reality-based training, so scenarios. We would have people um, acting like uh, criminals or acting like victims, and they would kind of go through a scenario and train in different parts of the building and in rooms like this that, that we can no longer use. We've outgrown uh, the building. So our recruit academies will get the, the first 26 weeks of their training in this building. Uh, okay. In but we also have the need, we have incumbent trainer or officers that have been on for many years. We need a place for them every single year to go through not only the requirements, that, um, the, the legal requirements through post that we have to, to, to meet, um, but also on any specialized training that we want to give them. So and then we, now we have to have space to be able to do that. So, for example, if an officer wants to be part of the SWAT team or something like that, they'll they'll need to come and go through all that. Right. Okay. We'll have to find a place for them to do that type of training. It could be a detective class. It could be a crime scene investigation class. There's all kinds of things. But also um, uh, the post or peace officer standards training um, requires us to have ongoing training for things like CPR or things like use of force and those kinds of things. But specialized training, absolutely. So does that go on at the same time as you have those new recruits going? It it does. And and that's where we end up borrowing buildings from people or sending the uh, officers over to one of our substations and uh, utilizing a community room, for example, if we don't have room. And that's Um, the bottom line, you don't have the space. We just don't have the space. But there's so many other needs, too. We have our our CSO Academy, right? Our, Our CSOs are the ones in the green uniforms that are out there helping our officers. Um, 
I would love to be able to bring them here for their academies and their ongoing training. There's no room. We have to put them out at Stetson Hills, and that's where they receive their training. Um, and then we do regional training. We have a lot of partners here, Fountain PD, Manitou PD, all of the regional law enforcement partners. We bring them through and allow them to go through a lot of our ongoing training or some of our specialized training. Um, so we're very limited in our ability to even do that. Okay. So, so, the, so the point is, um, obviously, number one, space is a priority and to get all, these, uh, all this training in one place. But then um, can you talk just about the technology and also what that space allows you to do in terms of training? Right. Sure. If you're able to expand, you're able to really um, look at how you can and better that right. that experience. Technology is becoming one of the most reliant the things that we're relying on. Um, just down the hall from where you and I sit right now is a, a is a TI system, which is a reality based uh, technology system. So it, you walk in this room and it's got screens throughout different portions of it, and our officers can go in and be faced through technology with different scenarios and. In some of them, they're just talking to the screen and to the person on the screen and de-escalating, and sometimes it'll escalate into a use of force so that we can kind of cover the training through the whole gamut by the use of technology. And it's fantastic. It's a great technology. One of the things that we could use so much more, but we have no room to expand for scenarios. We can't make it bigger than it is. It, it fills the entire room. And we're growing, right? And I mean, we're growing. right. Yeah. Right now, our city is growing, and we've got to expand in officers with the need for our city. We've got to be able to uh, provide a safe city, and we can't do that with the number of officers that we have as we project out um, in, in the years to come. So it's vitally important, I believe, that we get as many officers through, an, uh, through the uh, recruit training as, as we can in the next many years. And, and we're going to have to start asking for more officers. Right now, our authorized strength is 818. We know already that we're going to have to increase uh, much beyond that. So um, we're, we're uh, projecting out for that also. And the bottom line is, you know, this is what helps you stay competitive in terms of attracting mm -hmm. the type of officers that we want showing up when we're, when we're in trouble and we need help. Right. You know, the mayor mentioned Councilman Lineweber's comments on that. He mentioned them also. And absolutely, I mean, you're looking at um, some of the uh, uh, training regional training facilities or training facilities across the country and they you know have really state-of-the-art stuff and uh, that's got to be one of the things that are bringing people into to Colorado Springs we have to provide that um, excellent training facility the landscape of law enforcement is changing constantly it really is whether it be legislative changes or what communities want of their police officers um, best practices that, that have been determined through some of these professional organizations like PERF or IACP. These are two professional organizations that really help police departments across this nation determine, you know, hey, here's some, here's some changes we're, we're thinking that we could be made. And some of those are, you know, technology advancements, for example, that help us change how we do things just by technology. Some of it's legislative. So, Having the ability to attract people into uh, an academy, knowing that they're going to get the best training, that are going to prepare them for a dangerous job, a job that's difficult, mental wellness, for example. We want to make sure that we're providing a lot of information and training around mental wellness or mental health de-escalation. Mm -hmm. These are all really, really critical training components. And as you can see, we don't have the room to be able to do a great job uh, uh, at training those things in this building. 
They keep, yeah, they, it keeps you competitive. So, I mean, that's the important thing. And then it's really a benefit to the to the public. I mean, residents should be hopefully cheering for this. Um, of course, it's up to them whether or not they decide that the Tabor money should stay with us or not. But it sounds like, um, you know, this is something that you're happy to see as a priority for the administration. Absolutely. And yes. my conversations with the community, and I'm not saying I have a, uh, as many as the mayor has right now with his listening sessions, but, but I... I have yet to hear uh, anybody that is not uh, for the public safety. First of all, we have a great community. They're so supportive, but also for the need for more training uh, and our ability to do that. Yes. And, and remind me, I know you've been on the podcast before, but how long have you been with the department? So July 31st, uh, I hit my 28 years. And, oh, wow. Uh, and so I was, my class was the second class uh, to go through this building. Oh, so you were trained here. I was trained here. I was going to ask that. 95, okay. So the first class came on in 94 that went through this building. Uh, so since 1994, 29 years we've been in this building. So you've done a lot with what you have, but it's time to expand. It's time to expand. Yes. yes. Well, thank you, Chief, for the thoughts and the background well, on the facility. It. I really appreciate it. And um, stay tuned for part two with Mayor Yemi. The Colorado Springs Police Department's Training Academy has been making headlines lately because Mayor Yemi, who is my guest today for his biweekly update, um, he has plans to ask City Council to refer a question to the November ballot that would ask voters if the city can retain nearly $4.75 million in excess revenue. So that's about $21 per household, roughly. It's if you have a utilities bill, you would see it show up on your utilities bill. He's asking um, if we can put that money toward a new and improved Police Training Academy. So he's here today. So I am here Mayor, today. thank you for being here um, and talking about this is one of many things you're working on right now. Absolutely. But we're going, um, we're doing this podcast from the Police Academy today right. to emphasize that this really is at the top of your priority Absolutely. list. Absolutely. Why it's, is that? Uh, I, and I should mention that we, we I, I did my press conference from this space, and I did my first Facebook Live. How did that go? From this space. I think it went well. Um, and then the chief is actually giving the media partners now a tour of this entire building. Um, we're here because seeing is believing. Yep. Um, and if there are any residents that really want to see it, I, I reach out. We'll make it happen because seeing is believing. I mean, this space, we're truly limited. I'm Frankly, I'm impressed with what we've done with this limited space. It's a former lighting um, store that got retrofitted into an, an academy and with concurrent academies now and the need to train our um, our current officers we're going to be moving some of these training elements from this space because we don't we don't have, we don't we can't fit them here so this was never even intended it wasn't built as a training academy it no. was converted into one it and was, that was decades ago that was decades yes. ago and i don't even know i think chief chief vasquez was speaking to that but i did talk to um uh, one of our officers that has um, and leaders that has been here for um, 35 years, and he said, "Yeah, this is where he trained that long ago." Yes, and, um, hasn't so, changed too it, much. It hasn't changed too much. So the point is, we need to make those changes that that sort of bring us up to what are the modern practices, right? And training yeah, our officers. Right. And this is, you know, even if that doesn't interest you that much, the bottom line is you want that officer to be prepared when Bingo. they're showing up it's a, when you call 911. Yes. I, I often say, okay, first of all, let's back up. Um, when you call 911, you deserve um, the response. best response. Yeah. Our response times are not great. You deserve a fully staffed department. Right? We're still short about 80. You deserve... Um, 
officers who feel like the city's taking care of them so that they can stay in the job because we're losing them as well. So that's that's one important aspect of the job. But when I think about what it means to be a world-class American city and Olympic City USA, I walk into this space and it's kind of it's kind of pitiful. It's kind of it's kind of sad. And then probably um, even more so, Jen, is the need to ensure that we are training our officers in those real real-world scenarios and and with new training tools and how to de-escalate situations because the landscape has shifted. So training is the name of the game. Not only are new recruits, but existing officers, we have to ensure that we are equipping them to do the job of, of, of keeping our communities safe today. And it's changed. So we, we must ensure that they're being equipped. And that's what this project is about. And so talk to our audience a little bit about the process. Where are we in that process? They won't see this until the November ballot. But that's first, city yeah. council has to refer it, correct? That's a to great the question, Jen. You and I share that value of let's what's explain. Next? <laughs> well, and let, let's explain why. Yes. Let's not yes. just tell our, our residents what. We have to explain why. Transparency is really important to me. So, um, so coming up on Tuesday is the official vote from city council that will say yes or no whether or not this is going to be on the November ballot. Uh, my push to city council and my push to this entire city is our residents deserve the opportunity to say yes or no. I don't think government, as elected officials, we should be speaking for our residents. Let them be the ones to decide on this project. And, I, and I'm encouraging my colleagues at city council to, to give our opportunity, uh, to give that opportunity to our residents. The good news is that I believe that many of them share the, that same value. So Tuesday is a big day. Um, it's going whether or not it's going going to we're going to see it in the November ballot. Even if it doesn't appear on the ballot, it's still a priority for you. Is that oh, safe to bottom say? Bottom line, yeah. yeah. If it's um, it's still top priority because it's still a need, mm -hmm. and it's still the number one need that I'm hearing from many of our residents as I've kicked off my listening tours. Mm -hmm. And what else, sir? How how are those listening tours going? They're going, going well, with? Jen. I mean, uh, uh, I'm proud of the city staff um, that. Uh, giving up uh, their time, not just um, in a paid capacity. They're, they're there on Friday evenings with me um, as volunteers, um, not only helping me, but serving our residents. Um, and these, some of them are there as residents. I know I've heard some employees say, oh, I've got to go to my neighborhood listening to her because I have concerns also, just even though I'm a city employee, right. I, I also live here. I also want to see you know, something happening with a certain road or whatever their concerns I might met, be. I met with the airport team yesterday, and I, at the end of it, I said, any question? And most of the questions were interesting enough. They, they, were, quite, they, they were asking me questions as residents. Instead of as employees. As employees. So they're there. That's great. It's well attended. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had District 5 and District 6 this Friday. Tomorrow is going to be District, District 3. Remember, too, we're going to do a virtual listening session as well. Um, that's September 9th. For more information, go to coloradosprings.gov. I would love to see you there. The information you're sharing with me, we will use it into, in our city's long-term strategic planning process that we kicked off last month. Okay. And what else are you looking ahead to at this point right now? What are the uh, Jen, other big priorities? I, I'm, I'm at the tail end of my 100-day um, blueprint. Um, the state of the city address is September 14th. Um, I think it's was that 28 days away or something like that. We have completed about 50% of those 42 items. 
So, you know, 42 items, ambitious and aggressive is what everyone tells me. I'm like, yeah, that's the only way to do this. Yeah. Um, and I'm confident we will get to 100% um, in the next three to four weeks. So uh, I'd love to see you there. It's going to be a big deal. Um, there's some outside guests also attending. Uh, I'm also going to be talking about some of our communities, unsung, he unsung heroes, and I'm, even some of our team members that um, are usually not recognized. I, I have like a mayor's table of some of these leaders who would not necessarily be at a thing like this. I'm inviting I'm personally inviting them to join me. That's so good. Yeah. I'm excited to hear their stories. And I yeah. want to mention to people, it is a luncheon. But, of course, if you can't make that, September 14th, we will be um, live. streaming it live we'll on Facebook. Live. So yeah. easy for you to, um, you know, tune in right. and hear the state of the city. Of course, our local media partners do a great job of covering it. So you'll see a lot of coverage on it. Right. Just that will be the mayor's sort of report on that 100 days Right. Um, because we talk a lot about those um, priorities and we've we've spoken about the the large ones, but there are a few maybe that you'll cover that you haven't covered yet. Right. So it's important. to. Tune right. in. And just by way of reminder, I know we're, we're coming to the end of this podcast. Um, there are three major buckets for this 100 day plan. There's 42 items, but they fit on the, under these three major buckets. Bucket number one is to build support within with all levels of government for the sake of our residents. Bucket number two is to ensure that I am engaging the community in the decision-making process. Bucket number three is to address our most urgent and pressing issues. And I'm so proud of the team, so, so proud of the, my, my, my team members who are crushing it and this community that is responding, whether it's the listening tour or the solutions teams that have kicked off, and we can talk about that next, next time. This community is amazing, and people are responding. People care. They're excited. They're excited. People are excited. It's important oh, to have a voice. Can I share one more thing? <laughs> yes, you this, can actually, share whatever one, you'd this, like. This, this one is fun because um, my kids um, went back to school yesterday. Yes, back to school time. Back to school. So drive safely, please, everyone. Drive safely, and thank you for being mindful of our kiddos. Yes. Um, I'm sure a lot of parents are happy their kids are going back to school. They're like, oh, thank God, this day couldn't come soon enough. <laughs> I know you love your kids, as I do mine. Yes. I, um, but routine is good. Routine is yes. good. And um, I also want to give a shout out to the many teachers in our community. Um, you are heroes. We love our teachers. Um, God bless you all. Thank you. But I wanted to also mention that this is also the season where, you know, all the social media posts around the back-to-school pictures. Oh, yes, yes. And, and, you know, sometimes you have that. You know, the, the little board, the boards, I, yes, and what you, what you, what your kids wants to be when they grow up. Let me tell you what mine want to be. My fourth grader, my son, my oldest, wants to be a pilot. Ooh, nice! He I, could go to the academy. He can go to the academy. Yes. I am actually um, whispering, and I, I figure if I say it enough, he's going to believe that he can go to the academy. Buy him some t-shirts yes. and hats. <laughs> yes, yeah. Start young. My, my middle, my first grader, my middle child, she wants to be a police officer. Nice. Well, we got to build a better training academy for her. <laughs> <laughs> We're to working me, on this it. This is for you. We're working on it. Now, my four-year-old who's still in preschool, he wants to be T-Rex. Oh, that is ambitious. Where does he get that ambition? <laughs> I think there's a pathway for that. I was actually surprised he said T-Rex instead of he's, he's obsessed with um, Triceratops. And he loves dinosaurs. So um, I'm pretty sure that I can find him a, a pathway in a school to teach him how uh, to become a dinosaur. <laughs> that is awesome. You know, they have those T-Rex costumes. 
You can't get him one of those blow up teeth. He has for one Halloween. Of those. Oh, he already has it. Believe what me, he's, he's he's he already he's, uh, got as it. parents we have invested in his dinosaur ambition. <laughs> You're back in his dreams. Yes, already. we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy back to school, everybody. Thanks for the update. No, we thank really you. appreciate your time. And we want to encourage you to go to coloradosprings.gov. That's where a great place where you can find out about the listening tour. You can find out more about um, this Tabor retention issue and um, just get connected to whatever services you may need with the city. Follow us at City of COS on social, and we hope to that you will join us next time for Behind the Springs. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you.